this is Scare the Hell Out of Me, a pod about a theology of terror and the spooks that sanctify. Brought to you by Grindhouse Theology. So this is Scare the Hell Out of Me, a pod about a theology of terror and the spooks that sanctify. I'm your host, Trevor Almy, and I'm with Ian Olfen. Ian, what's up, man? Hey, I'm just, uh, I'm on... I'm on I-39 heading north and uh, having the time of my life. Yeah, so describe describe the scenery as you as you travel on that interstate. Is it is it pretty eerie? Uh, not no. I took the straight shot back home. I did not take the eerie way back home um, because I would my attention would be diverted between our conversation, my survival, and the spooky environment. So this is just. <laughs> A dull, drab, um, four-lane highway. Um, you know, there's McDonald's over here. There's a Hilton there. Uh, very unspooky, unfortunately. Well, there's something spooky to uh, McDonald's, to the uh, the commercialism run amok. Um, so, I, but that's, I mean, different. that's I mean, a different kind of scary. It's a different kind of spooky, yeah. It's not the one that we're yeah. really about. Yeah. So, uh, so Ian, you uh, you recently had your 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 daughter, or you didn't, Kristen did. Um, but <laughs> so uh, so, how's life going with uh, with Joy? Um, I I love her so incredibly much and so incredibly fiercely, and I don't want these days to end because she is just so adorable. Uh, you know, the the return of sleepless nights is not awesome, but she's just so perfect, and I just want to hold yeah. her, but I'm also looking forward to her becoming a teenager because threatening teenage boys, oh, man, I just, I'm getting my jollies already just thinking about what I'm going to say, <laughs> like how I'm going to make them wish that their parents had never fornicated, and, you know, it's going to be awesome. So what kind of... So I'm curious, what kind of uh, intimidating father figure are you going to be? Because I can't, I can't foresee you as the one who would be, you know, like breaking apart his gun and cleaning his gun. I see you as 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 taking a more idiosyncratic approach than that. What what would you do? It what? How many years? Sixteen years from now, so 2037, Joy brings oh, home her first boyfriend and you bring him into your living room, what do you do to scare the hell out of him? So, yeah, you know, when Joy leaves for a minute, I'm just going to stand right by him, and I'm just, I'm going to, okay, so in high school, I I, I just want to kind of bring this anecdote in to illustrate. I always thought myself as taller than my peers, even though, actually, uh, objectively, it was quite the opposite. Nevertheless, I saw myself as smaller, so I relied on psychological trauma to try to do the work. So if someone had some smart allergy or, like, insulting things to say to me, I'd counter with, you know, like, well, at least I know who my father is or, you know, something like that. And so um, what I will do is I will just hover in that moment that I have, and I'll just remind him, like, I need you to know something right now. I will be doing the world a favor, and no one will miss you. 
when I have to support you. <laughs> I love it. You know, so just, you're going to just like just, to lurk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, and just make it clear, like, look, make no mistake. I have no respect for you. The second, you're not love. Number three, when this goes down, <laughs> it won't be swift. I'm going to enjoy it. And there will be people who will say, Ian Olsen, I never would have thought to ask you to do this, but thank you. <laughs> so that's, that's great. That's what I'm um, envisioning. So you're not you're not gonna take a cue out of um Joshua Harris's um uh book on uh I kiss dating goodbye and um uh, lean into purity culture and <laughs> I, I think it's best just to avoid what Joshua Harris thinks about much of anything. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a subject for a whole nother podcast. But um <laughs> but yeah. Um so so how long I guess we've known each other how long has it been now? Maybe for since was it two thousand eighteen that we first yeah. hooked up to Grindhouse or two thousand nine? Yeah. I can't remember. It was two thousand eighteen, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, all of a sudden uh Caleb Stolly uh sent me a text message and he invited me to join um this uh you know, text group and uh, that's how I, I met that crew. And, uh, and then you and I hit it off, uh, especially with not just our love for, uh, you know, like cinematic and literary horror, but, uh, we just, we, we, we share some things that we're horrified of in, uh, the primary world as well. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those listening, yeah, we, uh, um, if, uh, if you uh, are okay with me getting a little bit uh, personal and with just uh, our own struggles, um, like we uh, we both uh, struggle with uh, OCD, and uh, that's been a way where we found uh, solidarity. And uh, I think we both had uh, uh, horror uh, uh, in terms of with the church, um, just uh, uh, with past uh, seminary experiences, but. Um, which I would really be interested in, uh, like, kind of uh, more anecdotal um, podcast where we where we talk about that in the future. I think that could, I think that could be healing for for some people. Um, yeah, at least absolutely. that would be my hope. Um, but anyway, okay. So so sleepless nights, and uh, are you are you getting up with uh, with joy, or is Kristen doing most of that, or how's that how's that working out so so you know on nights that i work i will change her diaper before christmas Easter. but on weekends um i'll do i'll do both i'll uh um yeah it's i i almost feel like a, a jerk saying this i i get kind of lighter duty uh sunday night through thursday but uh yeah but yeah yeah um friday night saturday night uh, all better off. So, <laughs> yeah, and she'll she'll take like forever to burp now too, you know. So I'm doing the like pacing around, bouncing her, patting her back, and it'll sometimes like take an hour to get a burp out of her, and then she passes out and and then I'm almost like not tired anymore, but I know mm-hmm. it'll be a mistake to stay up. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those like creeping that suspicion like. 
am I going insane right now? Um, yeah, that that I kind of forgot what that was like, but uh, it sure. returned. Yeah, and, you. And I'm like, oh yeah, you, my old friend. Okay. Yeah, this is your fourth one, so uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I know with uh, with all three of mine um, that that um, I um, you know I had that desire to get up and you know the mother the mother tends to have that sort of innate like I don't know homing device I don't know that's the right word but right. You know, that sense of like that, that radar of like oh you know. Um, so sometimes it's a little bit redundant, but um, yeah, that's, that's that's awesome, man. Um, well, I'm happy. I'm happy that um, you know joy is in the world, and uh, uh, okay, the world. so joy to the world. <laughs> so uh, to segue from that, from joy to the world, to uh, to spooks to the world, uh, yeah, spooks, spooks in the church. Um, I guess I just wanted to ask you about, so, woo, our, uh, our podcast is called Scare the Hell Out of Me, which is obviously a dad joke or a pun about, um, <laughs> scaring, uh, the, the hell, the, uh, the ungodly parts or the, um, the, the unsanctified and the unholy parts out of us. And, um, I don't know. I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on the church and horror and um you know i said at the beginning at the at the outset of theology of terror like um do you ever get like when you're interacting with people in the church um i'm sure you've been posed this question before i know you've written for mockingbird and other other places um but what what do you think uh how do how do such a broad question, but how does the church and horror relate? How does theology and horror relate? So, um, it relates, um, you and I both come from, we'll just, we'll just put our cards on the table. We come from evangelical backgrounds. And mm-hmm. in those kinds of church settings, what I would say is that there is a hypocritical relationship to horror in a way, um, by and large. And it's hypocritical because our churches are happy to attempt to horrify people in order to latch on to um, the gospel as good news. Uh, but then mm-hmm. horror itself is, is forbidden, it's ugly, it's dark, um, yeah, why why would you like something like that? Um, and that is a bit of a nova, you know, in church history. I mean, I think of, like, Capuchin monasteries where uh, the bones of, of brothers who have died are preserved and are part of the architecture of the monastery. And no mm. one would have said, like, oh, man, that's morbid. What are you doing? Um, and that, that that is a very modern reaction, and I think that it's only one that's made possible by the habituation that we have to um, – we don't, we don't get our theology only from sermons and from 
theology classes and Bible studies. We get it from the songs that we sing. And if your church culture is one, which is normal to sing, and now I am happy all the day, you do not have, you don't have room for this um, shadow side of reality. You don't have room um, for it except as a past tense thing that um, once characterized your life in a, and, and, and let's face it, in a way that you probably can't even really identify concretely. It's just something that you, quote-unquote, know, like, oh, yes, I was in the dark, and now I am found and in the light. Um, yeah. So it's relegated to an abstract path Um But beyond that, there's just there's just not an appreciation for what I think is uh, the sublime. Uh, I think here in our location, our time, our place, people like us, we use the word sublime, and it's, it's just another synonym for beautiful. But they are distinct mm. things in the history of ideas. And, and the beautiful is the beautiful, but the sublime is the thing that is, um, uh, it, it's an agreeable horror, uh, as one uh, British uh, thinker put it, um, the late 1690s. Uh, it, it's how the, the Alps can be threatening and ominous and remind you of how small you are. Uh, and yet, you derive pleasure in that. And and I would say that overall, uh, with exception, that evangelical habituation of the person um, mm. just does not accommodate, it does not make room for those sensibilities. Uh, and I think that that is one reason of many that, unfortunately, um, as more people either become aware of, wow, darkness is still prevalent and a very painful reality to be navigated now, um, mm-hmm. they either they either uh, lose uh, credence in this segment of the church. Like, well, you guys don't have any idea about this, and they and they leave, unfortunately. Um, and 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 some others um, just look for older wing of the church with um, more capacious psychology and aesthetics um, that can accommodate these other sensibilities and modes of knowing. Um, mm-hmm. So so you know I I think that. If you really get down to it, I think that to be a Christian is to be acquainted with horror in and of itself. Um, we are we are baptized and buried with Christ. We emulate a criminal who is tortured to death. Um, mm. this, these are these are not happy uh, motifs, um, and. The, I think the sooner that we stop uh, trying to sanitize that or make it right and cure it, there is real hope and real joy that comes out of those things, but not by sacrificing their darkness. So, again, mm-hmm. it's both acknowledgement of how bad things can be, but there's also that sensibility of um, not only what is light and manifestly beautiful is enjoyable or consoling and 
to that, they think it's, it's excluded. And I think obviously not. <laughs> yeah, and so, okay, so two thoughts emerge as you as you talked about that. I think that um, it seems like that the more we become distanced to death, um, the more we the more we displace horror and the role of horror, uh, horror broadly speaking, in the church. Uh, you've said a number of times, I know just in, in our correspondence uh, about Memento Mori, you know, remember the day of your death. And it seems like in modernity and in light of modernity and in light of uh, our culture that we sort of um, sterilized, we sort of uh, um, anesthetized, if, if you will, we've, 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 um, distance ourselves from death and, and um that seems like that uh would you agree that, that that has played a role in why um we it that also seeps into the church and oh, and yeah. so the church has has tried to coddle its uh its members from thinking about death and you know we're still going to crave that like we're still going to find ways to do that so when people find themselves seeking out horror they feel like they're doing something taboo and um when in reality like like you said if you look at sort of the the church historical um and and um what you and i would espouse and advocate for and that you know sort of a uh a, a creedal a liturgical christianity that that rehearses that whole drama of redemption, which includes a lot of ghastly, ghoulish kind of elements um, that that is neutered by by sort of uh, an American evangelicalism, American um, even even a kind of reformed um, you know uh, James James K. Smith uh, uh, would say uh, thinking thing thingism of just you know reducing it down to a set of, of ideas rather than um, looking at it as an, an embodied experience. So yeah, so yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I think that I also I also think, and I, I want I want to know what you think about this too. That um, fear, you know, growing up, I was always told that. I mean, I was I was given mixed messages about fear, right? Being uh, obviously suffering from OCD, I was I was kind of told to be afraid. Um, without being told specifically to be afraid, I knew fear was a bad thing. But yet, all of the, all of the, um, all of the nonverbals I was receiving were were to fear and to be afraid uh, continuously. Yeah. And even even my um, religiosity was suffused with with uh, panic and with dread. Um, and um, but then. Um, you know, the idea was like, uh, well, um, I was told to memorize copious amounts of scripture having to do with not fearing, not being afraid. But what's so compelling to me is when you look at the, when you look at the arc of, uh, biblical, um, of, of biblical narrative and all the biblical genres and texts, that the statement on fear is actually quite nuanced and quite complex yeah. that it's not just this negative emotion i i know that's a real popular a real popular uh, idea in the counseling world today of like the myth of negative emotions but the bible 
uh, kind of, uh, you know, as we would expect, prescient in this, in that, in that, you know, fear is, is, is complex, wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, we have, um, but I was never, I was never encouraged to think in that direction growing up. I was encouraged to think in terms of like fear as the, as the antithesis of belief. Right, that, right. But I also felt that, yeah, I, and I, I felt that when you were being told to memorize lots of scripture to combat your fear, that part of the motivation, uh, like you said, nonverbal, the fear of what mm-hmm. might happen if you don't. So no matter mm-hmm. what, fear is part of the the mechanics of this thing, and and that's yeah. that's what I want um, all of us to kind of uh, do at the anyone else I would talk to. Uh, yes, fear is a nuanced thing. So yes, to be crippled by fear, that's no way to live. It's not, but to be fearless. Like, that's idiotic. Uh, you know, ob- obviously there are uh, potential harms that fear uh, keeps keeps us uh, mindful of so that we can be safe. But, you know, the thing is that, like, self-preservation is uh, intrinsically a virtue. Um, I, so what I find more useful to think of is that Fear shows us what we love, right? Mm. We fear because something is at risk. Besides just ourselves, um, the things that we love, the people that we love, we per- at the very least, we perceive risk to them. So it can be a diagnostic for what we love. And then the next question is, should we love it to the extent that we do? Or are we loving the things that we ought to uh, those are questions that should be asked about fear. Uh, and I, I think it's really telling that the prayer book of the Bible, the Psalms, are shot through with fear. I mean, uh, we, yes, we get statements of, like, confidence, um, assurance um, that uh, God will um, assert uh, his authority as ruler overall, and will uh, do what is just uh, and rectify what's going on. But what occasions so many of the writings in the psalm? There is great consternation. There is anguish. There is fear. Uh, the psalmist is frequently terrified of what might happen. Um, and he is not chided by God for it. Uh, and, and that's why, that's one of the reasons that the Psalms are, are, are so important. Uh, it's been called an anatomy of the human soul. And it shows that the things that human beings feel are okay. Because there are, there are, there's such a multitude of emotions brought to expression in the Psalms. But I think, I, I'm not a pet, but I think that Fear has got to be um, number one or number two in that list. Um, and I, I think that the Psalms should be a regular part of the Christian diet in their reading and praying. And I think that it can instruct us in what healthy fear is like. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that 
that you're right, that the Psalms are um, you know, inclusive of that that full spectrum, that full range of, of human emotions. And um, I love what you, you alluded to earlier about, you know, churches that just sing, um, and now I am happy all the day. <laughs> don't, don't get anything for for uh, depressed Christians, for anxious Christians, for, um, you know, even paranoid Christians to latch on to. Yeah. It's like the categories don't exist. Um, and they That's do right. exist. Yeah. Um, um, Christ came for those people and died for those people. Um, right. So, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I, I'm, I'm saying, yes, like, you almost have to be closing your eyes against the people that you claim that you're like pastoring or worshiping amongst um, to to really believe that this describes the experience of the Adventist Christian. Right. So let me ask you this: Do you ever, when you're when you are um, in conversation with people, um, either at your local church or uh, maybe just out in public, um, do you ever get that, that kind of wide-eyed glance or that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, look of suspicion <laughs> when, when people <laughs> discover your, uh, your penchant for horror and, um, also your, 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 your faith in Christ? You, that like, um, I mean, I, I usually traffic in circles that, that kind of, um, Either, either are, are circles of, of, of unbelievers who, who, who have a, an appreciation for horror or are circles of people who, who would give that, like you and the others at Grindhouse. But do you ever, do you ever encounter that? Like, is that something that is part of your experience where you just kind of like, and if so, like, like, what is your, <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you Oh man, I mean that used to be a regular feature of my life um, in um, the churches that I was uh, a part of um, in the past. Um, just regular, routine, incomprehension and suspicion, and and it gets tiring after a while. Um, offering. Um, at, at, at first, it, it was a very deep defense, and then uh, it, it, it's – so it's kind of one thing maybe to offer that defense to a new person each time. If, it ha- if that happens enough times, it's still exhausting. But when it's repeat offenders, like, mm. it, it's like they are dedicated to not trying that thing. And I and I feel like it's one thing if you're if you say like, yeah, you know, I just I don't know why, I don't know why movies with demons would would be fun for you. Okay, cool, fine, that's fine. But it's the willful incomprehension and and uh, and suspicion that is um, really really exhausting. It it just saps your soul, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that used that used to be a routine um, um, in, in, in church setting. Um, interesting. I would have to say that with people who did not have a church background, 
I mean, do you think all that stuff's real? I'm like, yeah, that's, that, yeah, that, there you go. Yep, you get it. Um, <laughs> uh, and that, yeah. But, but, it, but in, I think that in those search circles, maybe the idea was like, yeah, we think it's real, and we don't want any part of that. And, mm. and, and, and there's, I think there's a, there's a mode of that that is sensible. It, 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 like, it, but, but I'm not saying, I'm going to, hey, let's bring the YouTube over and let's go to the Ouija board. Like, I think that that is one thing. I think that that is a very distinct thing, uh, from what we're talking about. Um, mm. but it's treated as like, basically equivalent. Oh, you're, you're telling me you're going to watch Halloween Part 4? That is a portal to hell. And, <laughs> no, get out of here. You know, and, and it, it, um, it's a lot of the same folks who really think that kids in the 80s were, like, playing Dungeons and Dragons at the store and sacrificing each other and all manner of stuff that is more fit like a Hronimus Bosch painting than has happened in the real Midwest at any time. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh that's good. I mean I think that I still, you know, every now and then will encounter people um in the church where it's like there's there's that there is that sort of um uh incomprehension of 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 why I would be drawn to horror, um, why why a Christian would be drawn to horror, but uh, you know, like and like you said, there's there's an element of uh, where you want to kind of give an uh, at least for me at first there's an element of apologia for it, but then yeah, then it's like you know this is you know this is no different than why are you drawn to um, you know why? Why do you like to go go fishing, or why? You know, yeah. you know, why do you like? Right. Yeah. You know why? Why are you? Why are you someone who is is interested in golf, or you know what? Right. Whatever. Um, I would argue there's 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 more content. There's more to, to there's more fat to chew with 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 horror. Um, uh, uh, but you know that 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 uh, that yeah that is that's definitely. Um, those experiences still crop up. Um, I try to, I try to avoid kind of, uh, perhaps the circles that would just denigrate that altogether. Yeah. Yep. But, um, okay. So, so it's um, really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Um, and, um, and I think, I think that, that, um, you know, there's, there's a level of horror, broadly speaking, like we've we've sort of um, skirted around um, to to all of uh, to fear is not fear is not the antithesis of of faith. Um, yep. There's a, there's a component of fear even in faith. Um, yep. So uh, okay, so so let's we've kind of kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to talk about like what drew us to horror, maybe and included in that like. Well, let's just start with that. Like, what what do you think drew you to horror initially? I know that some of our experiences of horror go back a ways. So, um, what would you say was kind of like your 
your gateway into horror. Yeah. Um, the farthest thing back that I can remember that got the bug fighting was being um, four or five. So it's 1988, 1989. And there yeah. would be, like, um, on Muppet Babies, Sometimes, uh, you know, they would have, like, some vignettes uh, from, from various movies. But I remember one where they're imagining, like, some haunted castle, and they open a door, and there's, like, Max Shrek, Nosferatu behind it, and, uh, and other remember things. Remember <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. And, and there was, uh, so on Nickelodeon, there was uh, Count Ducula and... Um, I also remember a very specific episode of Unsolved Mysteries in this period that I I don't know why. Just add this to the list of I don't know why my dad let me do this, but I, it was all haunting. Because you know, like in the in the classic episodes of Robert Stack, there'd be like maybe one ghost, and then it's like you know this person, this person bought a hookah, and then they went to talk to their cousin, and they disappeared. Call in if you think you've seen this person. You know, and it's just like, that is that is not an accurate capture of any Unsolved Mysteries episode, but I digress. Um, <laughs> this one, this one was all haunting. And, and like, it ramped up as the episode went. You know, so first there's, like, this tavern or there's, like, ghostly hijinks, you know. And then it's the Queen Mary, and it's like, oh, crap. So this is pretty scary. Cool. And then uh, there's this town in Wisconsin, where, where I'm living as a four- or five-year-old. Uh, and this family bought this bunk bed, and then they are just plagued, tortured by hideous, like, tags and, and just terrible bogeys. And, uh, you know, this phantasm that makes the dad, like, have a heart attack, he, he's so frightened of it. And uh, I remember, I remember it was it was dusk, and my dad said, hey, Ian, you know, make sure the door downstairs going outside is locked. And I was like, man, are you fucking kidding me? You, you don't go do it. <laughs> But he insists. He's like, well, go do it right now before the commercial breaks over. So I'm like, ah! So I just run downstairs and I lock it. I run around the house as quick as I can to get back because I'm scared of being when you were four? I'm four or five. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because I'm horrified to be out in the dark. But I want to get back and see the ghost thing. <laughs> I want more of it. So I yeah. really do think that this confluence of, like, those three things on TV, I just, I, it, because, look, look, like, the Muppet Babies thing, like, that didn't scare me. There was something about the look and the feel of it. I was like, this is cool. And then the Unsolved Mysteries was the real fear of it. And the whole thing, all together, the whole package, I was like, yep, this is, this is one of the things that I'm about, and it has just never left. That's amazing. Uh, 
First of all, I fucking love Muppet Babies. I remember. Yeah, I hell have, yeah. I have nascent memories of of actually waking my older sister up uh, on a Saturday morning to watch Muppet Babies with me because oh, it yeah. stimulated the imagination. I just remember it being all about, like, these imaginary worlds, and I don't remember much beyond that. Everything else is just sort of vague impressions, but um, to quote Leia, uh, but, you know, <laughs> these, these, hazy, these hazy notions um, – and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the Muppet Baby. So that, that brought me back when you mentioned that. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I would say for me that, uh, what drew me was, um, you know, I want to, I want to kind of get up, you know, sort of like raise my, raise my black, uh, glasses, you know, in a kind of intellectual way and say, say it was exposure <laughs> therapy for my OCD. And, you know, I think on some level it was, but, but just on a more just kind of basic level, I think it, it's just curiosity, you know. Um, I can remember being a kid and, um, you know, Chris Crane at Grindhouse wrote a great article about, um, too scared to look, too scared to look away. I think yeah. that's, I could be wrong about that, but, um, that was one of the first articles I read at Grindhouse. I just thought it was genius, but, um, so like when you, that whole idea of like, you want to peek, but you're peeking through fingers, you know, that are, that are, that are yeah. on your, on your face. And, um, I can remember that, you know, there were, there were a few, um, early moments in which I, I, I really wanted to, uh, I wanted to dabble and, um, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of it was just that, that, that curiosity that, that of, uh, yeah. well, well, what, what happens, um, if, um, if you are, um, you know, being pursued by, by a malevolent entity, what happens if you go to the house that you've been warned is haunted, um, <laughs> You know those 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 kinds of questions. I can remember some Scooby Doo episodes. Um, oh yeah. Which I mean that that stuff. I mean I just like I eat that shit up. That's um. Oh yeah. I want to go visit some of that in October. But um, <laughs> I uh, you know I also had this. I was it was interesting because my mom enchanted the world for me, and she would she would expose me to some good horror movies. I'll talk about that in a moment, but. She also, there's also certain things that were taboo, and I didn't really necessarily know why. <laughs> um, but it was like The Simpsons, and it was like uh, there were other things, you know, that were that were um, that were marked, um, you know, out of bounds. But um, yeah. so, but I can remember some 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 early on, just just uh, you know, watching watching this movie that was I don't know if you remember but Disney went through a period where they tried to be more adult and they tried to do like horror movies properly and um there was there's a few movies there's one called um The Boogity Man and The Bride of Boogity um and then there was oh. one called Watcher in the Woods um hmm. and Watcher in the Woods scared the hell out of me yeah to quote yeah. the podcast. 
I mean, it, it, it scared me shitless. Like, the, um, I just remember, like, I only remember images, but I remember this, this, this little girl with her, I watched it recently, like, three or four years ago. I found it at the local library, but, um, where this girl, like, had her, uh, he had, like, was in a blindfold, and there was someone in the woods calling, you know, there had been some occultic ceremony that had been done years before in this, like, church in the woods, and it, it, it was just, it was just harrowing, like um, yeah, yeah. And it was it was this weird limbo state that that Disney was in, where Disney wasn't yet at that point of like in the '90s, where it was like, oh, we're going to be all cutesy, and um, it was in the '80s where it was like, we want to still like we want to we want to kind of branch out from our brand, and um, yeah, I mean it was it was good, but um, so so do you remember your first horror movie? Um, so, I remember that I saw Jaws way too young, so, again, yeah. put that on the list. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't know if I want to say that that was my first horror movie. Um, it certainly was the first movie where, look, Clint's death still bothers me. I've, I'm in my mid-30s, and sometimes I'm just like, it's not that I have a nightmare to wake up, so I'll just wake up in the middle of the night. And instead of, like, the usual, like, oh, I'm getting older and crap like that, I'm like, man, why did Quinn have to go out like that? Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. Such a good character. Oh, yeah. And and I don't care what Blake says. Charles is amazing. So, um, Quinn's on this. Well, Blake. Blake, Blake's still sour over hereditary, so. Big time, yeah. Um. But I think that my first, like, what we would say is just a die to the wool, like, yes, that is a horror film. Um, man, I think that it was um, Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, again, I was very young. I handled that one well, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I found it effective, but that doesn't mean that I was scared. Um but I, but I enjoyed it, and and that's and that's part of the thing. I don't I, I, the success of a horror film isn't always like in the level of like fear that I probably experienced. Um, just in the same, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I Poltergeist has some gnarly stuff going on. Uh, like yeah. Jaws is rated PG and has no right to be PG. Um, <laughs> but has not bothered me my entire life in the way that watching a grown man being devoured bit by bit by a giant shark cat. So. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a funny little uh, take there on, uh, on Poltergeist. I too saw it really young and uh, I think I saw it on TBS and uh, I watched it recently. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, they edit a lot for, TV, but I, I, I saw, like, all three on TBS um, back when I was a kid. And what was funny was I know, like, I, maybe it was a false memory, but I could swear to you that I remember my mom um, introducing me to that movie. And because I remember <laughs> explaining to me that whole that whole scene, you know, in the kitchen where – and that was yeah, so iconic yeah. for me. The kitchen where the, you know, the chairs scoot across the floor – and I didn't know what a poltergeist was, and I remember asking my mom, you know, what's a poltergeist and how does that differ from a ghost? And she tried to explain it to me, 
And I, she was recently visiting, and I, I mentioned that movie to her, and she was like, I've never seen that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, you know, oh, spooky! <laughs> right? <laughs> it was like, I'm, I was like, as, as the, is there a poltergeist that's been erased from memory? But, you know, I mean, I was like, I don't know, is this something of just, you know, my parents are getting older now, and, you know, kids obviously remember their childhood differently than parents remember raising them. And I, and I, and I was like, is this something she's just forgotten, or is this a false memory on my part? So, uh, which I tend to start to doubt myself. But I, I swore, and I, I still am convinced that she did introduce me to that movie. Um, but I, like you, saw that at a young age. I saw Jaws pretty young, too. I was, I was, let's see, I remember, I can remember who I was with. The friend I had spending the night, and I would have been in third grade, so that would have been, I I would have been, what, nine, nine years old, which, you know, is pretty young, I think, to see that movie. And yeah. Like you said, there's no, there's no business, that movie being PG, but I think it fell before there was a PG-13 rating. And, that's, um, it, that's it. That's, it's yeah. hilarious that, they, you know, they were like, like, wow. Wow. Uh, well, it's not quite an R. All right. Yeah, PG. Not, slap it on. Send it out. Not quite. Not quite. There's only one one individual being absolutely mangled and devoured by a shark. If we got if, – yep. <laughs> if we All right. Well, send there's, it out. There's a, <laughs> there's a swimmer at the beginning. But if we had, like, a whole host of them, maybe five or six, then it would qualify as an R. But, <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and – I mean, one more thing about Jaws, though. Like, so that part bothers me. But the part that, like, excites a little bit of, a little tremble of fear is uh, the guy who's in the boat. Um, mm. when, when, the, when the shark goes into uh, the pond. And then he comes, he rows over, he's like, hey, you guys all right over there? Hey, you guys okay? And then he gets, you know, the boat gets knocked, he falls in, and the camera yeah. is overhead, and you just see that gigantic ass shark opening its mouth below him and and it's, it's over like that quickly but that that shot yeah you know I, I feel my fingers tight a little bit every time I see that yeah I don't blame you yeah that's uh yeah that is that is some um killing uh <laughs> camera work um but um yeah so um I think uh, also, I, and this wasn't my first horror movie, but an early horror movie for me was The Birds. And that one for sure oh, was yeah. one my mom introduced me to. Um, and, she, I mean, she she doesn't – she has memory of that. She doesn't she doesn't forget that one. <laughs> but uh, so, Mom, if you're listening, you, you know that uh, – that, uh, uh, first of all, sorry for the swear words. Uh, not sorry. Uh, he's not, he's but, not sorry, and I'm not either. But, but yeah, no, um, she definitely introduced me to, to, um, to, uh, Hitchcock and she introduced me to the birds. And I remember she introduced my brother and I to it and she said that this is going to be, she said, uh, this is, this is a scary movie. And we laugh, you know, because it starts off with, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress, but she's going, you know, she's going into the, the store buying, uh, uh, you know, some parakeets or whatever 
whatever the hell she's buying, you know, whatever bird she's buying. You know, it's very, it's very, you know, it's, and it's, and it's color, but it's very clearly a 1960s movie and has a, has that kind of pacing to it. So we were just like, okay, this, how is this going? And then that first moment where that guy you see who has just been, his eye has been gouged out from the bird and. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, we were just like at that point, just completely engrossed and completely petrified at the same time. So, and, and yeah, my yeah. mom had so much glee from that because she was like, she was like, here you thought that I was, I was giving you a, a sissy movie, you know, or, or I think at the time, what was uh, a big word that we used in our, in our, in our vernacular. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So the birds for us, uh, I remember that sort of emblazoning itself on my, on my mind. Um, but, um, okay. So as we're recording this, it is September 28th and, uh, spooky season cometh. It is, it is at the door and it is, it is knocking its uh, disembodied hand, if you will, house yes. uh, yes. style on on our on our door. So so <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about spooky season. Let's talk about October and yes. just just how do you like? We can talk about a lot of things like first memories of Halloween. Um, we can talk about like how how do you know? Let's just start off with like how do you know that. Um, that the season of Halloween is upon us. Like, of course, for me, so just for some context, Ian is in Wisconsin, as it might have already been clear. I'm in Florida, which is the land of eternal summer, which <laughs> that sounds like how it, it, it pretty much does. Um, yep. But how, right. do you, how do you know spooky season has, has, has started for you? So uh, I think that it's it, has been progressively changing over the last mm-hmm. 20 years because um, when I was younger, uh, you know, the first week of September would still feel like August is starting to taper down. But after that, there would be a pretty rapid onset of the changing colors that, you know, a crisp chill in the air. Um, the the smell of, like, bonfires, like, constantly, you don't see them anywhere, but you go outside and you, you smell the smoke wafting into your nostrils. And, mm-hmm. and it's around that time where someone, there was this memo that no one sent out, but everyone got. So the, the, uh, the pumpkins start coming out, the, uh, you know, it depends on what kind of family you have. Either the fall decorations come out or the Halloween decorations come out, but you start to see them. And, um, mm. you know, uh, as as our planet uh, keeps rising in temperature uh, until we eventually just die an overblown heat death, uh, I mean, it was freaking uh, 84 degrees uh, today mm. up here. You know, so I am just a neurotic mess of, uh, not worry, just, just pissed off, you know, like it is, oh, it's October 1st is Friday. Okay. It should be 66 degrees. And it, thankfully the, the leaves are starting to change color. Now leaves are falling. The, the, 
the spooky season. How do you know it's arrived? It's about your body's barometer of a change has taken place. You feel it in the air and you smell it in the air. And the more people that recognize it also, you see the signs that the season is upon us. And, mm-hmm. and as, as climate has been changing, it's been harder to uh, kind of not reach back and colonize September more <laughs> with spooky season because it does feel mm-hmm. like August part two. And I'm like, no, thanks. Take it back. I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's fascinating to me that you're you're feeling those effects, you know, and in Wisconsin. I mean, like, um, you certainly felt them in Georgia. Uh, certainly felt them when I was in Mississippi, and now in Florida. I mean, I think this has kind of been the way. It, it, I mean, this is just Florida, Central Florida, um, which is it's definitely circles of hell. Um, they have discovered North America. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, um, you know, I've tried to simulate, um, spooky season as much as I can being in Florida. Um, right. I do, I do get, uh, a little aggravated when it's September 1st here and I see, I see like, uh, first of all, I, I do have an animus towards, um, pumpkin spice latte and I oh, know I that know. probably, <laughs> you know about this. Right? Well, yeah, because the first sentence of your imposition last summer, complete dick move, <laughs> put away your pumpkin spice lattes. And I'm like, don't take this from me, Trevor. What are you doing? You know, just. <laughs> I I mean, it's in everything now. I mean, whoever is the, the, the pumpkin spice latte uh, sales rep, like, needs to be briefing serious commissions because yeah, it's all it's all over the place. Um, it's in near Cheerios. It's in you know like pumpkin spice um, pizza. I don't know. It's it's, it's out of control. But um, that I would not. I <laughs> so I mean I am I am a coffee snob in the sense that I just take my coffee like I take my soul black and bitter. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I. I I just um I and and one of one of my teacher colleagues did bring me a pumpkin spice latte the other day just she was like just for fun and I will I will I will admit that I did I did get you know a little bit like five percent of joy five percent more joy five percent happier by drinking it so yeah. um but I think I'm naturally like wanting to depress myself um. You know, my my therapist says like I I depress myself like that. That's kind of like the state that I like to to be in. So, <laughs> but um, but no, um, yeah, it was it it for for me. I, I really like there are certain things that I associate with with October that I try to simulate. You know, uh, so my wife Kara, she'll she's big into decorations, so she'll put out like, um, she's currently working on a lot of different art and so our our house is filled with like um like she did she did a Laura Dern piece from um from one of uh David Lynch's films I think Blue Blue Velvet and um then she has some pieces from like um 
the birds and other other iconic horror images. But but she also is like she's going she's very thrifty, so she's going to like the um the stores and like filling the house with like um you know, just decorations like like uh like I don't know, the equivalent of Halloween tinsel and, and like spires and stuff. So um but I I really like um I I enjoy uh of course when you when you made your playlist for Sinister, so that music gets me in the mood. And uh I don't know. My my favorite candy um is uh is candy corn. So when I have that uh well I say my favorite candy, my favorite Halloween candy, my favorite candy is probably the Reese's the tiny Reese's peanut butter cups. But but having candy corn and I know like candy corn is a very polarizing choice, but um, it, it, it situates me. So, is there okay. like, what, okay. what's your favorite candy? Uh, okay. So the thing is that, like, I'm not really crazy about candy. I, um, it's not that I hate it. It's just that, uh, maybe I just have stupid, terrible teeth. I mean, the, the Olsons are not renowned for awesome, uh, teeth, uh, I have jokes that I have a jack-o'-lantern smile, um, in spite of having had braces twice. Uh, it's also because I lost my retainer in, like, seventh time, like an absolute dumb. But, uh, it, it, anyway, too much candy and my steeper. Um, so, having said that, I just, I just want that to be out there so that no one thinks that when Halloween comes, I just gorge on my favorite candy. But my favorite Halloween candy are it's is, is either uh, French bar or Kit Kat bar. Mmm. Yeah. 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 It, it, I know. It's crispy. It, 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 it. You get the little, you know, treat sized ones. It's over like that. Have a couple of those. I'm good to go. Mmm. Yeah. Um. What about Lee's favorite candy? Is there any that like you look at and you're like, this is this is just disgusting and oh, this will be polarizing i don't like skittles at all Ooh, yeah yeah now i don't either i mean yeah i no that's that's fair that's fair i mean um i you're a really sensible dude there's there are people who will like they will throw hands over that statement you know really so, over, i i'm not i'm not friends with those people through those yeah people. yeah through their i mean and they're stupid kids. <laughs> We're anathematizing whole groups of people based on yeah. their... Get uh, out of here! Go to Florida! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I... For, for me, Skittles are... I... You know, I will eat them, like, if, if I'm just, like, you know, hangry and there's nothing else around. But, yeah, no, I tend to not like fruity candies, and so... So that that doesn't do it for me. I've never really cared much for that. I can yeah. remember, you know, back trick or treating, uh, as as a kid that when I would get the Skittles, um or not Skittles, um that there was as I would get candy, you know, ranking them. And for me oh, yeah. the Reese's Pink uh, the tiny ones are, are really my favorite. Not the ones that are, you know, like uh in the orange package. Um even though like I think there was something about sort of the almost sacramental, like, you know, imitating what was going 
partial being able to push the peanut butter center out and leave a circle. Um, yeah. Like there was something <laughs> wanting to imitate that. Um, but I love the peanut butter cup. I also love Tootsie Rolls. And I know some people hate on Tootsie Rolls, but I love some Tootsie Rolls. The big kind. Yeah, those, really those kill my one. teeth instantaneously. Yeah. One bite. Yeah. But the sensitive teeth, yeah, I can see that. Um, but I remember there was these, there were these candies, and I don't know if you remember these, but they were called, I had to look it up because they were so generic, and, um, but they were called peanut butter kisses, and they came in either solid orange or solid black wrappers. Um, mm. and they were like taffy with peanut butter in the center, and they would break your teeth when you bite into them. Like, I mean, anybody. <laughs> and I used to pick them. There was, like, so I had bunk beds. So, you know how on the top of your bunk bed you have, like, the little, um, I don't know, uh, like, uh, fabric or whatever. And there was, like, a hole in mine. And so I would throw those peanut butter kisses up in there. And they would be there for years and years. And, like, years later I would take them down and I would bite into them. And I'd be like, oh, okay, it's just as fossilized as it was when I first got it, that Halloween <laughs> four or five. So, wow. I don't know. Yeah, those those are really, really gross. Um, and I can remember the houses that would give those out, we would always just really uh, hate on those. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Or, or the houses that would give out the, um, like, something of the equivalent, like, you know, uh <laughs> There would be houses that would give out, like, tracks, I remember, like, you know, like, <laughs> or, or they would give out, like, you know, like a like a pair or something, you know? It's like, come on, like, it's freaking yep. Halloween. Don't give me, yep. here's some toothpaste. Yeah, some toothpaste, yeah. What? Um, so do you have a favorite Halloween memory or, like, a favorite Halloween that you can recall from, oh, from like, your Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> I I will I will tell you two very brief ones because it yep. captures some each one captures something different. So um I remember Halloween of uh nineteen ninety six. Uh, a mm. big a, a group of my friends, you know, we went trick or treating around my grandparents' neighborhood, walked to uh, each each of our neighborhoods. We 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 closed up shop, we finished and then we went to the graveyard and we went vampire hunting the rest of the night, you know. So that that was awful. Uh, we didn't see any vampires, but it was still just um, the effort was made, and, and, and it, it just had that like Monster Squad or Lost Boys kind of like yeah. feel to it, you know. So that was that was super rad, and I I do think that every Halloween I'm trying to get some of that back. Um, yeah. yeah. Then the other one, I've, I've, <laughs> I've alluded to adding, uh, to the list of things my dad should not have done. But I will mention one awesome thing he did. He, he was, um, uh, he, he had this homemade Gandalf coffee. Um, uh, and it was, it was before the Lord of the Rings movies came out. So there was not like a, uh, so if you were in the know, like you read the books, then you'd have some idea of what Gandalf looks like. But your average your average citizen walking the street, oh, the wizard, okay. Um, and it had a mask and uh, 
but he, he made this little rudimentary, um, it used a lighter and then it would shoot flame out. It was attached to the bulb of his hand. So it, it could, it could, uh, shoot out flame maybe like a foot, something like that. And, uh, we were, he was taking me and my sister trick or treating. We were at someone's house and we heard, uh, this kid, um, I don't know, probably like first grade or something like that. He's like, he, he was with his older brother trick or treating. Little kid said, is that God? So my dad heard that, you know, and then fired the firing mechanism. And the older brother went, it is God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's him, though. That, yeah, I could, that, too bad he didn't have like a, uh, a voice alter, you know. Alter, oh, I know. Alter. <laughs> <laughs> so like, boom out in some kind of uh, Morgan Freeman-esque voice. <laughs> right. I know what you did, Timothy. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, for me, if, uh, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got one, really, I think is, is my best Halloween of all time, if, uh, if I could narrow it down, if you want to, if, uh, if you'd be willing to hear about it. It's, um, please. It was October of 1997, which was the second, it, it was the, the next year would have been the last year that I trick-or-treated. So it was, it was that year, Halloween was on a Friday, and mm. it was the first year that I can recall, now there may have been a year when I was younger, I'm sure there had to have been, you know, given, you know, what, every five years with a leap year or whatever, um, that Halloween was on a Friday, but it was the first year that I could recall where it meant something to me that Halloween was on a Friday, where I didn't have to get up to yeah. school the next day. And my mom was like, you can have someone spend the night, you can go trick-or-treating. Um, and I went to uh, my friend's neighborhood first, and he had this huge neighborhood, a lot of wealthy white people, and so we could get a lot of houses in. And um, there was also a Halloween party and a costume contest. Um, I won the costume contest. I don't really remember what I wore, some kind of grotesque mask from Party City. And then we just went from house to house. And we came back, and I will never forget, like, it was back when TJIF was on, you know, and they had mm. Boy Meets yep. World. They had this Step show called, yeah, yeah. And um, it was the Boy Meets World where, like, uh, it was a Halloween special, and it was, like, in the in the golden age, the heyday of Boy Meets World, when um, what was what was uh Corey's brother's name? I can't remember, but the guy, oh. you know what? You, the, the funny one, um, right? But, I can't remember his name though. Yeah, I can't either. But um, anyway, he he was like just hilarious on this Halloween episode, and so we watched that, and we also watched. Um, the show called The Visitor, um, which was coming on at that time about like an alien. It 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 never it eventually got canceled, but I loved it. I was like I was all in on the aliens then until <laughs> the next year I would see this found footage film and become traumatized, which is um <laughs> for another uh, podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so we watched that. We sat and gorged ourselves on Halloween candy. My parents went to bed. We watched um. 
the USA channel had something called Halloween Up All Night. And I remember there was this, you yeah. know, this really cool horror host dressed up as this lady dressed up as a vampire. And she said, Up All Night. And we stayed up and we watched. I remember it was like Clue. And then it was after Clue, we watched Child's Play 1 and 2. And then I think we probably crashed after that. But it was just, you know, it was a gorgeous, like, um, Dude, just, lit. like your, your perfect idea. Exactly. Your ideal Halloween. And the next day, of course, this Saturday, we woke up and we were, like, laying in, like, a bunch of candy wrappers, like, <laughs> just, just uh, chocolate on our fist. You know, I mean, just completely. Um, but, yeah, I would say I would say that that was um, – I, I do have, like, very – very uh inchoate memories of like a halloween my first halloween where like i went and i actually was like as a three-year-old i had it had one of those just bed sheets white bed sheets over me i was a ghost with two holes and and for eyes and i remember remember spilling my candy i remember going over to my grandparents house that was like first one i can remember but best of all time would have to be october of 97 that was that was that was really great absolutely absolutely but okay, so um, we're doing again for we're now approaching our third annual uh, horror film festival, Cinema yeah. Cinema, Part Three, Rewind to the '80s. So we're we're doing the '80s again, and um, so uh, so what I was thinking, I'm I'm just going to um, uh, read to you the uh, if you will the 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 intro to this and the and the film, and then I'll let you, you react and tell me, tell me what you're, what you're stoked about and what you think. Okay. Um, just kind of prime the pump, so to speak, for us and for anybody who might be listening who wants to join us on this, uh, on this escapade. Uh, join us. But, join us or die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, sit back for the sequel, Thrill Seekers. We are rewinding to the 80s. Forget about sneaking R-rated rentals past your mom as we already taped 13 tales of terror on your VCR from the late night movies airing after bedtime. So squeeze your Star Wars blanket for safety and grab your G.I. Joes for grit. They are right where you left them on your patterned carpet, for we never left the decades. Peek through your fingers and see. Michael still shuffles in the shadows. Jason lumbers after you by day. Freddy lingers in your dreams. Like a franchise that refuses to be finished off, the 80s lives on, as does our annual film festival. With Sinister Cinema Part 3, we have entered three cool territories, and, as Randy and Scream 3 would warn, the past will come back to bite you. This festival of ours is liturgical, and so we expect repetition and a rehearsal of the past, as that is inherent to liturgy. The past is not archived away on some VHS tape. The past is still here, still coming. Somehow, the past is as slow as the slasher's pursuit. In other words, you aren't montaging out of this one. <laughs> to escape, follow the chants of the children of Elm Street through the halogen hallways behind the screen and beyond the screen. Cross yourself as you cross over the television threshold. Be baptized in the neon light and sing the synth scores as you search for other saints. The only icons you will find here are Leatherface, Pinhead, and Chucky. And when you crawl to the credits for your benediction, Recite the Lord's Prayer, asking to be delivered from the evil of one last jump scare. And the rules, the viewer may watch the following films on any day they choose, but form matters. 
the order of this ritual may must be observed if the participant is to be the final girl or guy as you tour the decade of punk and glitter. Remember the rule. The killer always returns. Every ghoul has one more gap. No creature takes the death just once. Right when you feel you have escaped is when the monster crawls from the grave. Okay, so the liturgy is the following film. Altered State, The Fog, Scanners, Alone in the Dark, Of Unknown Origin, Friday the 13th, 4, The Final Chapter, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Demons, From Beyond, Dolls, Child's Play, Tetsuo, The Iron Man, church and then of course our not quite dead movie added at the last moment the midnight hour halloween five the revenge of michael myers mm-hmm. so uh what are you stoked about first of all what movies we well the way we did this for those of you listening we we each uh we we tried to do our birth year and then ian and i share our birth year right we're both 84 right. yep right? right so we we divided it up and so he chose one. We both chose one from 84. And then uh, I went outside to another year. And I think you went to 85 as well, right? You did 84. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, so what were your two movies that you chose? So I took Prime 13 and Demon. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Uh, because I haven't seen Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which, uh, Kara insists is some bullshit because the new beginning was, <laughs> new beginning was 1985. She's like, they were already in pre-production for the next chapter when they, yeah. there's no way that they, but, but anyway, I don't know the, the behind the scenes on that, but the nightmare, or, uh, sorry, that's, uh, the, um, Friday the 13th, the, the final chapter, I haven't seen since I was in high school or college. I remember when I got one of the blockbuster, like, unlimited rental passes, and I just went through all the Friday the 13th. And I I have not seen Demon, so I am so stoked about seeing Demon. It is just, dude, it, <laughs> it is crazier than a shithouse bath. Just, yeah. dude, it is, just imagine the wildest, least sensible Italian horror movie, but which should already, like, alert you, like, okay, this is not going to make a ton of stuff. Dude, it is just bonkers. It is just straight bonkers. Yeah. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, I'm, I'm stoked for the whole, for the whole festival, and I'm, I'm glad that it's, collab- this year is the yeah. most collaborative. And people are, you know, putting in their their ideas, and I want to keep that, you know, going forward uh, for as many years, you know, until in, until we uh, we, we die. ourselves are yeah, are dead, are six feet under. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, so Friday the Thirteenth, um, I recently uh, excavated the Friday the Thirteenth game I have on my PlayStation Four. Are you familiar with this? Have you played this game? Oh, I played a Friday the 13th game on NES, but that's it. Yeah. Okay, so there's that one. I am familiar with that. So there's there's a new one that was part of the Kickstarter campaign. And hmm. uh, so I, being the, the absolutely spoiled 
rich kid that I, I always was growing up and, and could not somehow let go of. Uh, I have every system except for the, the elusive and I think non-existent PlayStation 5. Um, but <laughs> I have, I have the PlayStation 4 version of Friday the 13th. Um, and it's, uh, let me tell you, it's pretty badass. Like, uh, you can play as Jason. You can play as one of the counselors. And it's, um, uh, Kane Hodder, right? Uh, who played Jason yeah. most of the time. It's him actually mocap in the bodysuit, uh, doing all the animations. Oh, and, that's um, awesome. yeah. And all the blood and guts are Savini, the guy who did most of the Ooh. blood and guts throughout the eighties. So he's doing it in the game. And, um, like I just spent a lot of time just, there's a, something called the virtual cabin. You can go around and, um, you can go in there, it's got the eerie, you know, you hear the Jason music and score and soundtrack, but you can go around and read different trivia about the movies as well as the game and how it was, how it was, you know, funded. But so I'm, I'm in full Jason mode. I recently, you know, as I told the guys in the chat, I watched the, the, uh, the remake of the 2009 yeah. remake, which, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> your mileage may vary yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, There's a reason that there weren't any more. <laughs> right. Um, my my issue with that was was that they demythologized Jason, and they they made him into more of a uh, hillbilly killer. Uh, you know, in kidnapping, I believe the uh, generic character's name was Whitney in kidnapping her and uh, putting her underneath the the little outhouse or whatever it was at the um, at uh, Camp Crystal Lake. There, there just didn't seem to be any necessity for that. Story-wise, it didn't seem to be in keeping with Jason's character. And, um, you know, and, and then, of course, just the ending scene was just a straight rip-off of the original. Um, yep. It seemed really derivative and um, yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, with Blumhouse and what they've done with Michael, that there's probably, you know, it's probably a, a, a time that in the not too distant future where Jason's going to see a resurrection, uh, no I, pun intended, I mean, no pun intended. Do you think? It'd be, it'd be cool, but, um, I mean, even just a couple of years ago, I seem to recall, um, a number of people asking, like, hey, is, is there anything further going to happen with Friday the 13th? Is it going to be a reboot of the reboot? And um, there, there was talk about someone trying to get the juice up to get that green lit. So I, I don't know. I mean, if, if Halloween Kills um, does really well um, critically and box office-wise, you know, maybe that will be provocation for I, – I wouldn't mind, you know, but – I guess the danger is always that we'll get more of the 2009 one, which is, it was, it wasn't even enjoyably bad. I mean, most of the Friday the 13th movies are bad, but they're right, fun. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. And this Friday the 13th was not bad. It was, it was just poor. And it's a crucial yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah. And what was that? Um, I, just because I've seen it as of like two days ago, it's fresh in my mind, but the, but the total, uh, you know, just uh, bro guy, um, Trent, who was just, I mean, oh. completely, 
completely unlovable. The 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 whole you know uh, privileged rich boy you know just I mean you know his his whole reaction to his girlfriend and and his girlfriend going off with uh, Clay trying to look for his sister and uh, Trent reacts by like cheating on her you know like the eight hours that she's gone and then has the audacity to get mad at her because she went off, you know, traveling around the woods with, with another. Yeah. It, the, those those, yeah, it those was, are moments where I'm like, please kill him. Just yeah. kill him. I cannot take it any longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like you, like you pointed out, I mean, there's Friday the 13th is not like, we're not, we're not fooled. We, we're not saying that Friday the 13th has ever been uh, a hallmark of, you know, artistic cinema, but it's when it works best, it works as kind of this, this cathartic, this, um, this, this, this adrenaline rush. Of, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it was a good time. Um, and I think, you know, I do think the first one, probably ironically, the one spoiler alert, uh, that doesn't have Jason as the killer it is probably the best in terms of quality of movie. And it's interesting yeah, to I, see that like an inverse of Psycho. Yeah. Um, because it really takes Psycho and subverts it with the, the mom being the killer. Um, it borrows heavily from Psycho. It owes a huge debt to Psycho with the point of view camera. Um, so... So yeah, that that's uh, an interesting story in itself. Um, okay, so anything else on like on as as far as uh, sinister um, that you are particularly uh, interested about? Um, so let me just go. Have you seen? Let me go through each of these, and you just tell me quickly if you've seen it or not, and okay. if you, and then maybe just kind of like a quick take on what you how you feel about it. Okay. okay. The first is altered state. Have you seen it? I have. Yeah. Uh, okay. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. The, how about the fog? Well, yes, and I love it. Yes, I know. It's so good, isn't it? It's, it's um, amazing. Yeah, I think when I first saw it, I didn't fully appreciate it for what it was because I was in college and maybe I was a little bit too harsh on some of the, the practical effects. But I, I think sure. I think it's really one that stands holds up well. Um, yeah. Okay, scanners. Yeah. Seen it. Love it. Just so iconic. Uh, I'm real really excited to see it at, uh in the liturgy this year. Yeah, me too. I uh I own it. I own the Criterion Collection version. I'm a Cronenberg whore. Um, I love everything Cronenberg does except for Naked Lunch. Um, which okay, talk about that some other time and maybe you might get <laughs> to that. But um, some it, it doesn't have to do with like bugs that talk out of butt mouth, does it? Is that anything? No, it's proliferation of phallic symbols. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a just a that's little a bit, <laughs> a little bit much for me. Um, so, so the first three, you and I have all we've seen. Um, now we get to Alone in the Dark. I have not seen this. 
Have you? Me neither. Nope. Yeah. I don't know who recommended this. I want to say Chris, but I could be wrong. I That sounds right to me. Oh, actually, no. You know what? I think this was Blake because he's 82. It was his birth year, right? Oh. Uh, oh, boy. No, he's, a, he's 83. He's 83. Oh, 83. Um, well, I think he might have gone – I think he had to go back when you – because I think Chris – we'll get to it, but I think he did 87 and 88. Okay, so Alone Dark, haven't seen it. Out of us can say anything on it. 83, of unknown origin. Have you seen it? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, but I'm atheistic because it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I have no preconceived notions. I'm going to go in dark and hopefully come Alone out. Alone in the dark. Not. Alone in the dark. There you go. Um, 84 is, uh, of course, we'll skip that. You just talked on that Friday the 13th. Um, 84 again. Um, since we share that birth year, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what, what are your thoughts about Wes Craven's uh, first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? I think that the first one is the strongest one. I know mm-hmm. that, you know, um, Dream Warriors is uh, a, a, a bigger and bigger contingent is growing, like, every year who says this is the one. Um, and I, and I'm not hating on it, but I I would say that Nightmare on Elm Street it's, it's just just pretend the franchise didn't exist. It works so well as a standalone, and you know what? Just my own taste. I prefer a scary Freddy over a funny Freddy. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Which is why, and I know that I'll be lampooned for this take, but I think the best Nightmare on Elm Street outside of the original is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that. I think Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is critically panned and considered a failure critically, uh, I think that is the last time Freddy is scary. Um, it's also known as the gayest horror movie ever. So I don't know uh, what that's about me. But um, I I've thought never, that... I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. No, there's so much homoeroticism in it. And, uh, like, they actually admit, like, um, they talked to Robert England and some of the others about how they were actually playing with that whole idea and that that that, that notion. Um, it's really funny if you watch it. I don't know the last time you've seen it, but if, if, if you ever rewatch it, it's... I think in 2021, especially, it's, it's very, um, it's very blatant. Perhaps at that time, it was a little bit more, you know, um, underneath the surface. But um, I would say that of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, that there are probably three or four good ones, and then the rest yeah. are bad. Um, and that four, and five, and six are in that track. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that sets it apart from, like, Halloween, for instance. I think that yeah. even though the concept sometimes wears thin with Halloween, I would still say that on an individual basis, they hold up better overall than the glut of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Um, Kara and I were talking about this, and she said that for her, 
you know, Halloween is the top, you know, then Nightmare, and then she's like, I don't give a shit about that Jason guy. Wow, that's, <laughs> but, wow. like, Night, Nightmare They used to be friends, and then something went wrong. <laughs> yeah, about that Jason like, guy. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay. So, um, but Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street, I, I understand, like, I do get it, though, because probably with Friday the 13th, you, the lore really falls off a lot, I think. Um, oh, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, for me, the conceit of that movie is just, you know, pant, pant-stainingly scary. Um, <laughs> I mean, the idea of not being able to go to sleep because you're going to be terrorized in your dreams, and so you have to use caffeinated um, products in order to stay awake um, until you might hallucinate because you haven't been sleeping. I mean, that whole notion is just, it's a brilliant concept. And I yeah. think, you know, um, when when done well, you know, it, it can be yeah, good. Yeah. Do you know that Elijah, Elijah Wood is thinking about reviving the franchise? <laughs> no, I didn't hear about that. Huh. Yes. So, so Elijah Wood is going to revive the franchise. But he said on one condition that Robert England has to come back as Freddy. And then he wants to take it in different directions. So to do like um, kind of like what Halloween was originally going to be a sort of anthology series where it's based oh. on – it has dreams, but it's not just Freddy the whole time. But he wants to bring Robert England back one more time to kind of put a bow on that part of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, so. that'd be cool. I think so. You know, I, I like Elijah Wood. He's an interesting guy. Uh, and I think I think he – I would like to see what he would do to that. But Yeah. At yeah, any I'm rate – okay. Okay, so 85 Demons, we, we touched on. I have not seen this. I'm looking forward to this. 86, From Beyond. Have you seen From Beyond? I have, yeah. Yeah. Also, okay. absolutely bonkers. <laughs> yes, it is. I saw it um, when Kara and I were in uh, New Orleans, and we were, um, you know, it was our one-year anniversary, and we went and we wanted to watch a New Orleans film. And we put this on, this Giallo film. And honestly, I don't remember much about it at all. So it's going to be going to be a fresh experience for me. I mean, I think maybe if I if I saw some images and some scenes and shots, maybe that would that would help remind me. But um, it's really hazy. So mm-hmm. uh, it's funny how when you see something recently, and sometimes when you see something a long time ago. That that sometimes you see something a long time ago that's hazy, but sometimes you see something a long time ago and it and it's and it's much more in your consciousness and something you've seen recently. It's like oh, you know, it just kind of gets lost to the to the fog. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. But okay, a uh, eighty seven is uh, doll. Have you seen doll? I haven't. No, I haven't either. Now this is one of Chris's. This is where we're getting into Chris territory, because he was born. <laughs> so Blake is the the, is the old man of the group. Um, <laughs> you and I are the middle child, uh, the overlooked middle child. Chris <laughs> is born in '87, I believe. So '87, '88, he took. Um, so dolls, I haven't seen either. Um, how do you feel about dolls, Ian? Um. I'm looking forward to it because I definitely remember seeing the um, 
Do you remember the way that the VHS boxes would kind of, like, degrade over time? It would have that styrofoam thing inside of it, inside the rental store. Oh, yeah. Um, so I remember passing by it often. So I have flashbacks to riding my bike over to those rental places. Um, so it, it, it'll be fun to finally see the thing. Do you have a phobia of dolls? Um, no, I do not. We'll yeah. see if that changes. Yeah, I don't either. I know there are people that do. Um, but I guess for it depends me, I, on how large the doll is, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, I would just, I would just kick it. And, um, you know, they're, they're basically large, large cats. Um, I have an, I have an animus for cats. I don't know if I have a phobia. Maybe a little bit of a phobia. I'm allergic to cats, so um, okay. apologies to Caleb. I know Caleb is is a huge cat fanatic, but but um, I would purge the earth of cats if I was given godlike powers. Um, I I'm I'm highly allergic though, so there's a reason. It's not just they are fickle creatures though. They're they're finicky and and they dogs just give you their loyalty, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't have a phobia of dolls. I know I've seen the Rod Serling Twilight Zone episode, and it's I mean, that's, great. That's, a, that's unsettling, you know. But yeah, oh, it, yeah. has, it hasn't like survived into a like I will not go near dolls ever again. Yeah. Well, speaking oh, of dolls, I, yeah, I just saw one of uh, Blake's relatives uh, crossing oh, the yeah? street just now. Yes, a you very saw- large trash can. Yeah, across the street. So yes, you saw a raccoon. Send my regards to Blake. Blake, Blake, you're listening. We just saw one of your relatives, one of your progeny, <laughs> one of your spawn. Um, but yeah, so speaking of dolls, we have uh, child play next. So so it looks like Chris was 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 uh, was thematically uniting these, or you know, yeah, uh, uniting these. So child play '88. Um, I assume you've seen Child's Play. I have seen Child's Play. I okay. am not crazy about Child's Play. Okay. Sorry, everyone. Fair enough. Um, I've seen it. Bigger. No, I, I, you know, I saw it, and the last time I saw it was probably that Halloween that I was describing to you of ninety. The best Halloween ever. The best Halloween ever. So I'm gonna have, I'm gonna go in with that nostalgia. And it's yeah. probably going to be brought down. It's going to be destroyed. Um, and, and you'll be live-checking me all the way through it. <laughs> uh, but Child's Play, I like the, I, I I like it just for just kind of a good time. But it is, it is, it is, it gets into that kind of just hokey, like, you know, I'm scary, but I'm also going to be dropping in comic relief with this, this right. doll that, you know, is like, like Freddy was in his later iterations. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Um, I haven't revisited it since then. Child's Play 3 was on the other day when I was just chilling on Saturday. It was on AMC. They were playing the marathon. I thought I'd seen Child's Play 3. I logged it on Letterboxd and then had an OCD freakout moment because as I was watching it, I was like, I don't remember any of this. The I lied to the world! <laughs> Maybe I lied. 
maybe I'm not who I say I am. Um, but so yeah, so we'll we'll revisit that. I haven't seen like all the other whatever seed of Chucky, uh, ugh. Bride of Chucky, you know, cheese of Chucky, whatever. Of Chucky. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, anyway, I haven't seen all those. Um, we'll see if I ever get to them. Uh, 89. I'm really excited about 89. It, I, it's one that I've been wanting to see for a while. It's been on my list for years. Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Have you seen those? Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Another one I saw way too young. And okay. true story, I rented this because I was like, oh, Iron Man, you know, that's a, that's a superhero. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, vendor at rental place completely ignored all protocols of giving an eight year old Tetsuo the Iron Man. So I, I guess maybe, maybe it's one of the reasons that I am what I am today. I, just, I guess I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, you know, I was watching that um, In Search of Darkness documentary, part two. Um, you know, spent nine hours of my life on, on that, and I regret not a moment of it. Those those documentaries are amazing. Yeah. Um, the 80s horror documentaries. But um, I, I saw a little bit about that and the director talking about how it was sort of his, his idea about our relationship to technology and how it's just kind of an extension of us, which I think has a lot of commentary for for, for us today. So, and, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm just the the um, stop motion animation that's mm-hmm. um, so much a part of the cinematography. I'm just I'm just pumped. I think this one probably of all the movies, with maybe the exception of Scanners, is probably a movie that like you could just if someone wasn't a horror fan you could still recommend as like, hey, this is good cinema. Yeah. You should, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay, 89 is the church, which correlates well with Grindhouse Theology, but um, have you seen this movie? I have, yeah. Okay. So, what are your it's, thoughts on the church? It's fun. It's, uh... Okay. Let's, let's just leave it at that. It's it's fun. It's not particularly okay. like um, thought provoking. It, it's the kind of movie to put on when you're done trick or treating, and now you're just going to pass out eating candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and let's specify: we won't be eating Skittles or peanut butter kisses. We'll be, yeah, get get we'll that either shit out of here. Kit Kats or uh, candy corn or uh, regular peanut butter cups. Um, okay, yeah, I haven't seen this movie, so I'm excited about this um, and uh, looking forward to it. And then the not-quite-dead movie of Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, as opposed yeah. to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Where does I, Halloween I, 5 I, – okay, I know we've seen we've, – we've both seen all the Halloween movies, right? Yeah. Is that a fair assumption? Okay. So where does Halloween five rank for you in the in the um in the pantheon of or the the hierarchy Halloween movies? Um I would say Okay, so first of all, anyone listening, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies do not exist. Um I'm, yeah. I just want to do the world a favor. They never happened. Oh. So they are not in this list. 
Um, so let's see. So first Halloween, and then even though the newer Halloween is better, I'm still going to put um, Halloween two in the second slot. Just a okay. nostalgia attached to it. Um, then yeah. I'll go Halloween. Halloween four. So actually, like, just pure chance, it is number five for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a few years ago, um, Blake and I were recording, and we had looked, we had watched the entire franchise again. I'll have to go mm-hmm. back and check and see if my ranking has changed at all. What has been yeah. consistent is that I still am not a big fan of three, but I think I do like it more than I did then. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's 12 movies in there, so five is not too bad of a ranking. Uh, right, yeah, five. yeah, all things considered. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely better than the the one where Busta Rhymes roundhouse kicks. What was oh, that? What um, was I thinking? No, that, that number five, Halloween five is now number six. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank yeah, you, uh, thank you for screwing my head off straight again. I would, I would agree with you. I would say Halloween Five is somewhere, you know, middle tiered um, in the Halloween franchise. For me, uh, of course, you have the original Halloween is undisputed number one. Um, I, I have a lot of love for Halloween Two. Um, I, I actually, for me, Halloween Four is is perhaps second best. And I know that's that's fun maybe that's a that's a sort of outside the box pick, but um something about just Donald Pleasant in that movie and I believe he has burn scars on his face because he was supposedly burned right. in Halloween too. And he just kinda right. has that sort of like we've Donald Pleasant has been established now as the guy that we're kind of you know, we can get behind. Um I just remember that scene where, where Michael is standing in that convenience store and Donald is kind of, um, uh, Dr. Loomis is interrogating him. Um, I remember watching this in college. It was probably season of life too. Um, my brother and I were, were watching it together home from college and we were just, you know, just luxuriating in it. We're like, oh, we had never seen it. And we're like, okay, we're going to watch all the, the Halloween movies and, um, and yeah, um, I didn't see Halloween three, of course, until much later, much much later, because everyone was like, "That's the one you can skip because there's no Michael Myers." Um, and I will say, by the time I watched it, I mean it's 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 one of those so bad, you know, like so bad that it's good, quote unquote movies. Like it's atrocious, but I will say I give it some kind of love just because of Tom Atkins, just because of that ending and. Because of the jingle that it's left all of us with. Yeah. Can we and, and yeah, the ending. Happen? Yeah. Even my kids know that jingle. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, that that ending is great. And and I just want everyone to know it, it's my my not strong liking of Halloween three isn't because Michael Myers is in it. It's it's because of the flaws that keep me from liking it more. I like the idea of trying something different. Cool. Just do it well, and I'll like it more. That, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah. And and Halloween 5, I feel like, you know, I mentioned because Kara recently went on the journey with me and watched all the Halloween movies, and 
of course, we've got the new Halloween movie coming out this year with Halloween Kills. Yep. And, um, how do you feel about that? Are you, are you excited about that? Are you I'm very excited. I, okay. I, I just, uh, I love seeing, uh, Halloween. Um, I feel, uh, my wife and I went with her sister Anna when it was in theaters, when it was released. We were just so pumped for the next one. You know, COVID happened and it was delayed. I, I hope that it is, um, as good as Halloween and I, I, I guess I have a little trepidation. I'm, I'm always afraid when something just like sticks the landing and is great that the follow-up will not be. But uh, really, really hope it. Me too, man. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm a little trepidatious uh, because of the, the trailer. Um, and and trailers aren't always a good indication, as, as I'll mention in, in a moment with the, with the movie, because sometimes trailers make the movie out to be so much better than they than they actually wind up being. And then sometimes they, the, the trailers are, are purposely uh, misleading. Um, but um, but we'll see. You know, Halloween Five. I, I feel like um, that that's where we sort of get the the was it the cult of what was the cult of Thorn? What was the name of that? Thorn. Where, yeah. I, the, yeah, the yep. tattoos and. Jamie, of course, her psychiatric experiences, and you know, I, I thought I thought Halloween Five had some. I, I would say that Halloween Five. Would it be fair to say, with the exception of uh, the David Gordon Green movie in twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, that um, Halloween Five was the high point for the series before it started to descend? Because it seems like Halloween, the, the curse of Michael Myers, and then the the other ones that came out in the late 90s and 2000s were kind of the low point. Yeah, yeah. Any love for the curse of Michael Myers with, yeah. Yeah, the curse of Michael Myers has um, um, Ant-Man, um, Paul yeah. Rudd in it, right? That's and right, yep. It's just, it's just not good. Um, but, um, <laughs> this is not good. Um, okay. So, uh, so here's the, uh, just quickly, I want to go through, so I know you, you've, you're, uh, you're going through all the, the throes of, um, you know, your, your new dad again with, with joy, but, um, have you been able to see any of the recent horror movies that have been, that have been coming out? I know it's kind of weird, like when people are seeing things because of, the Delta variant. I, I, I've only managed to get out for a couple of movies, uh, the last okay. few months. And, and, and I know that some are also available, like you can stream them. So, I don't know, there's, there's a chance I've seen some things you might be thinking of. Okay, let me just go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the name of the movie, and you can tell me if you've seen it, and then what you think. And okay. I suppose if you haven't seen it, you can, Talk shit about it as well because oh you know me every... <laughs> all right all right the first one next three I will I will I will say I have seen the first one I have to confess and give a disclaimer that I have not seen but it's um the third Conjuring movie the devil made me do it have you seen it I saw that okay and Thoughts. and I I enjoyed it um I it, it is the weakest of the three. 
but it's just not the piece of crap that Blake I. Collier would tell you that it is. <laughs> Blake, I really hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't managed to see it yet. I will say I'm not a fan, fan of – did James Wan direct the third one? Or do we – oh. I, I don't he, remember now. Oh, he did the first. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of James Wan in general. Uh, there's some exceptions. I, I'm not big on, um, just, I'm just not big on the, 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 the Conjuring series in general. The first one I thought was the best, most effective. Um, the second one, it just seemed like the pacing was, was wrong for me. Um, but, but again, you know, I haven't seen the third one. Um, I will, um, get out there and see it. What about the Fear Street movies that were released successively to um, Netflix in July? Did you oh, see any of those? Right. No, I, I haven't yet. Um, uh, a friend of uh, Blake's and mine mentioned seeing it, and Blake just said, uh, hey, Fear Street was good. And I said, Fear Street, like the R.L. Stein. <laughs> Right. Books from the 90s? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's a thing? Oh, okay. Uh, so, no, I didn't see it. And uh, I respect the guy, but I just, I don't, I just don't see myself watching Fierce. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a dick. I don't know. Maybe I'm a dick and they're not worth seeing. There's lots of permutations, <laughs> you know. That's, yeah. Um, so, Fear Street, yes, it is based off the R.L. Stein books, but I will say must take a lot of liberties because they're quite graphic. Um, and oh. uh, directed by Lee Janiak. And what's interesting is it could have been a series, but instead they took a, a trilogy approach. Very much, uh, though, a to-be-continued, a, a serial. Um, I would think most of these types of stories would be told as a miniseries today or as just a, a television series, but um, told as a trilogy, I would say that um, it kind of peaks with the second one. The first one's 1994, the second one's 1978, and the third one's 1666. Um, I would say it peaks with the second one. The third one was just bad. I mean, fell into all of the tropes of, um, and it recast or didn't recast. It took the um, the cast from the previous two films and put them in roles uh, from 1666 that felt rather anachronistic. But, um, yeah, so I, w- I would say that, that it's, it's worth your time, I think, the first two. Um, the third one is, is a really a letdown, but, you know, once you watch the first two. Um, okay, what about The Night House? Did you see The Night House? I didn't, and I wanted to, and mm-hmm. if the opportunity presents itself, I, I still would. Yeah. Uh, Kara and I are AMC A-listers, so we've been exposing ourselves uh, to the to the Whoa. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I need to finish Hold on. Sentence, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we we went to see The Night House, and um, I thought it started with Promise. Um, it stars who I call not Anne Hathaway, um, <laughs> Rebecca Hall. Uh, and 
um, it, it really deals with, it delves into that whole horror as ex- exploration of grief and loss, which I know you and I have talked about, and we watched The Power, you know, a couple yeah. months ago, um, and how that had done that um, with some competency. I felt like this kind of just, at the beginning, worked, and then it sort of, it it succumbed to trying to be too twisty, and yeah. the twist didn't really end up um, going in a, in a in a place that was satisfying. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot more cerebral than it was, and it was a lot more. Um, it just it just ended up the with the ending the <laughs> without without giving too much away. But I think you know it's, it's you know some people loved it, but the ending ends up on a note where it's like this doesn't really resolve any of the plot main conflict. Um, and it also it also just seemed to, to try and um, stunt a little bit just to, just to like flex its own um, its, its, its own artistry and, and it didn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. What about Candy? Have you seen Candyman? I haven't and I won't. It sounds like a piece of shit. So no, it it was, which I was really disappointed because uh, we had uh, Nia DaCosta, I think, was the the director, and it was Jordan Peele film, and I've I've really enjoyed all of Jordan Peele's films so far. His uh, uh, I wrote on um, us um, for Grindhouse, and I enjoyed Get Out as well. Um, yeah, and this this of course was written by him, but wasn't directed by him. So I don't know how much of a difference that makes. But Candyman, the trailer the trailer was amazing. Like we saw this trailer must have been twelve times. Because we're ANCA, let's just keep going. But um Candyman, the trailer just blew blew us away. Um but honestly, it was one of those movies that uh has a social subtext to it, has a sort of racial consciousness to it, which you would expect out of a Jordan Peele production. But, and and given the original Candyman, right? And uh, right, yeah. Tara had the original Candyman. So the night before we go to see it, I'm like, you need to see the original Candyman. Which I would say to anyone who's going to see the new Candyman, um, you should see the original first. Because otherwise, a lot of the new one will not be intelligible. Because it is or just, not just a... watch the original one and leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a reboot cool. To, uh, to to adopt a neologism, it's it's a reboot and a sequel. So, um, but honestly, <laughs> Candyman, it it ends up I think um, being crushed under its own weight. It, it tries to the the dialogue is so expositional that there were moments where I was just like, this is not characters would not talk this way, you know, and um, it just it's just way too hand-fisted and didactic in its approach. So that's yeah. my take on Candyman. Um, again, those of you who love it, um, you know, just ask uh, Brian House Theology and tell us why or why I'm wrong. Um, so, and then, okay, so the final one I have here is one that I just recently watched. Um, it's a James Wan directed movie, Malevolent. Have you seen oh, Malevolent? I haven't, but I've been hearing how tough though it is. So I, I definitely plan on it, just haven't done it yet. Okay. Okay, 
Well, good. Since you plan on it, I will not be as spoiler uh, uh, spoiler filled as I was going to be. Um, okay. It is according to James Wan, um, Giallo inspired. Um, I don't think it spoils anything for me to say that I don't see that in the movie. Um, I, yeah, I think Blake said more, the exact um, same thing to me, actually. Yeah, I think it's more of a shocker. Uh, Wes Craven, early 90s, you know, half-crazed, half-baked type of horror movie, which is fine. Um, you know, he's on to Aquaman 2 or bigger, better things, and I think he was wanting to do this movie. And Malevolent, you know, I just kind of watched it while I was on the ARC trainer, exercising and just listening to it that song. So, of course, mm-hmm. that kind of probably colored my experience, but I, I kind of knew what I was getting, and it just seemed like a an experience where it's borrowing heavily from certain movies that I won't say that would spoil things, but it's borrowing heavily from certain movies that did it better. And um, I don't think it actually gets at some of the the more weighty themes that maybe it was going for. Um, and, and, and for me, again, my problem with James Wan, at least The Conjuring 2 and this movie, is the, the pacing now of just uh, we're going to have jump scare from the beginning, and then we will um, continue and um, from the word go, from that initial jump scare, we're not going to stop. It's just jump scare after jump scare after jump scare to the point where it's nothing is is, is uh, startling because it's all just coming at you one after another. And there's minimal story. So, um, I mean, it's there. It's there. I don't want to say that the story's not there, but it's just so frenetic. And for me, it didn't work. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'll be interested yeah. to know what your what your take is once you once you've had time to. You should you should expose Joy to that one. With like, if you're ever up, like uh, giving her the bottle, or you know, <laughs> I, like, I I've watched some spooky videos with her, but it's been like real life stuff. Like Joy, this might be a Sasquatch, but I haven't watched like a a horror movie with her yet. So yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay, well, uh, let's just, uh, let's wrap up with, uh, so what are some of your, uh, your final thoughts on, uh, Sinister Cinema, um, with that approaching? Are you, uh, are you game to come back and talk about your, uh, your two picks? Um, oh, uh, Friday the 13th and Demons? Yeah, of course, absolutely. You want to exercise some demons together? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, of course. Dude, I, I mean, I'll come on and talk about the other guys' movies. Shoot, I'll, right. come on and, I'll come on and add those guys. I, yeah, you got it. I I have to... I'll, I'll be getting one. To... You can interview me if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You can be Ari Aster. We can... This was, like, really profound and, like, so... Terrifying, and I don't even know that when he sounds like that's just what I imagine. No idea. Yeah, I've never heard the man speak once. I've just seen his name in the cast to the properties that I've watched. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. I'm stoked. I'm really glad we're doing this. Um, I think that I might, uh, 
you know, 14 movies, I think, is, is a good cap. Um, I think yeah. in, I always say this, and then I always I always put my foot in my mouth, but I think in, in <laughs> following year, I will I will do less. Less is more. Do like seven to eight or nine or ten. Um, I think that, that I will try to get in as many as I can early on uh, because I know about mid-October, late October, um, do you have an October birthday? You do, don't you? 18? I do, yeah. Thank you. 19. Oh, close. Um, so we both have October birthdays. Most of us, trivia, fun fact, most of us at Grindhouse have an October birthday, or a lot of us do, I guess, at least in our little, yeah. little chat we have. Um, and so my birthday uh, is, is, is there, and so I know we're doing some birthday shenanigans. We're actually um, going to Halloween Horror Nights again at or Orlando. Oh, so yeah. I am freaking pumped about that. It's the 30th year anniversary, and they're going to do one of the haunted houses. It's 30 years of Halloween Horror Night icons, and you're going to have one from each year come out after you, one of the, the boogans. Yeah. So I'm going to try to top lo- or front load some movies and just because um, obviously we all will uh, probably also, in addition to Sinister, try and get in some other suits. And, uh, and yeah, we need to watch, we need to watch something, uh, we need to watch some horror again. I think the last one was The Power that we watched together. Yeah, um, that's what I was just thinking too a couple of days ago. It's been, as Led Zeppelin would say, it's been a long time, it's been a long, lonely, 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 lonely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, re- I recall uh, my memory of last Halloween, closing out last Halloween, you introduced me to Paranormal Activity. I had never seen yeah. it. That, That's right. It yeah. Huge yeah. I couldn't believe I'd never <laughs> seen it. Uh, we all have gaps, I guess, but I was just like, uh, and, uh, but yeah, so I, and I still haven't seen any of the others, um, which um, I'm sure there are probably some, you know, uh, lesser and, uh, greater ones of those to see. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> but, but, um, okay, so, so, just lastly, sort of your thoughts on where do you think about, like, I know it's sort of the bigger question, bigger idea, um, maybe something for a future chat, but where do you see horror as a genre going? Like, are you, are, are you, are you on board with, like, horror is kind of in a, like a, a, a renaissance or in a resurrection uh, um, or reanimation, <laughs> I guess is a better word. Right, um, or, right. <laughs> or do you, or do you feel like, or do you feel like that, like horror is just, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be with us. And maybe some of the quote unquote elevated horror isn't necessarily a good thing. So what, what's your take on yeah. that? Yeah. I, so I'm more on, um, the end of that that you just mentioned where elevated horror I think that there are some outstanding examples of what people would call elevated horror. What I think uh creators by all means should refrain from doing is trying to create elevated horror. Um because it will be pretentious, pointy headed, snobbish, and it will lose what is spontaneously uh, pleasurable and fulfilling in horror. Um, you know, are we going through a renaissance of horror right now? 
you know, I'm not sure because horror never really quite goes away. Um, for one thing, studios know that people will pay to be scared. So there is always money in horror. Um, I think that um, you and you alluded to this when you're talking about Nighthouse. You know, uh, I feel like A24 has kind of like pegged <laughs> um, the uh, grief as horror and horror is grief thing. And I think that that was great the first two or three times that that was done. But I I just feel like there's entirely too much of that flooding, this thing that I love that preexisted this uh, this attempt at elevating it. So mm. um, just don't try to elevate it. Just make something that is worthwhile. And um, that might be a Halloween, a 2018 Halloween, and that might be a uh, Wayland. And those are two wildly different movies um, that uh, both are very enjoyable to watch, uh, but in very, very different ways, and both are horror. So just do that, and don't worry if if, if you try to cater to critics. It it is always going to take the form, oh, but but the horror is just a, a husk you need to break open to get it this kernel then you're doing this wrong. Um, horror should not be the vehicle for doing something else. It just so happens that when you do horror, you're talking about other things at the same time. Um, because real things are horrifying and horrible. So I think that's an important distinction, and I think too many people are missing that right. Well said. Well said. Okay, so uh, Ian, uh, where can people um, follow you? And I know you're <laughs> you just <laughs> did footprint. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can they read your stuff? Um, where Where would they go to to read something some something you've written? Um, you can go to Mockingbird. Um, I have. Uh, some essays with uh, mere orthodoxy, some with uh, covenants. Um, I read at another uh, place called Against Mammon. Um, yeah, but otherwise, if you want to follow me, then you got to come up to Wisconsin and be a creeper. Uh, <laughs> I love it. A man who is off the grid. Uh, well, um, yeah, and you can always uh, read uh, our our uh our ramblings on grindhouse theology. Oh freaking grindhouse. Yeah. Right. Well yeah. <laughs> and uh follow us at Grindhouse Theol, um that's T H E O L uh on Twitter. Um though you never know who you're interacting with since there's like um we're all Jared clones. Um little inside <laughs> joke there, one of our editors that we're we're one of his uh split personalities. But anyway uh, Ian, uh, it's always a pleasure. Enjoyed, um, enjoyed, uh, chat with you. And, uh, yeah, we, we need to, we need to, um, do this again more often. But, yeah, I mean, you on. also just need to get up to Wisconsin. So, hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening to our conversation. On the next episode, we're going to be looking at 
the first two films of Sinister Cinema Part 3 with Altered States and The Fog. Our plan for rolling out episodes is bi-weekly, and we will sprinkle some surprises in between. So stay tuned.